Here we go. Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel Worldwide KFUO on this September the 11th in the year of our Lord 2017. And we're going to take a look at one of the lessons for this coming 15th Sunday after Pentecost. It is Genesis chapter 50. And if you heard the promo, once more we seem to have a Bible verse that contradicts our experience. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, Joseph is talking to his brothers. Jacob has died. The brothers are really afraid that because they had allowed Joseph to be taken to Egypt, remember, threw him in the pit, sold him to slave owners, that he's going to get even with him. And here's what he says to them. Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And then Joseph explains the good that happened. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, Joseph had great insight. He had wisdom from God. Is that true for us? That the evil that occurs against us, God means it for good? And the answer to that, believe it or not, is yes. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for our good to those that love God. How many times have you gone through something that you consider evil in your life and you don't see any good in it at all? But see, Christianity is not a religion of sight. It's a religion of faith. This is a huge law and gospel difference. We've talked about this great distinction that Luther made in 1518 between the theologian of glory and the theologian of the cross. The theologian of glory looks at everything to see what's in it for me. The theologian of glory is motivated by self-interest. So if something happens to him, he wants to know, well, what's the good that I'm getting? Did you notice the good that Joseph said occurred? It wasn't for him. He ended up in prison for a time. And finally, when he became the assistant to Pharaoh, the good occurred for many other people that they would be kept alive. Remember, there was a dream that Joseph said, okay, you're going to have seven years of plenty, and then you're going to have seven years where the crops aren't going to be doing too well. And so he stored up the crops for the bad years, and that's why many people continue to be alive. Can we say that about us? Think of something that you would consider to be evil. Did it work out for good? I've seen that as a pastor of congregations. Let, let's say there's a shut-in who gets cancer. It's not at all unusual to find the entire congregation praying for him or her. See, the good coming out of that 
is we recognize that God alone has the power to heal. And so witnessing goes on. There's a different attitude when people meet with that person because they know they could die from cancer. The, the good that comes about may not be seen, but God always has it there. That's a promise that he's giving. So I, I can't think of anything in my life that has occurred that wasn't for good. Oh, but pastor, you had one of your sons die in a motorcycle accident. Well, how can you not see that he is in heaven as a good? Do we wish it had never happened? Of course not. Of course we wish it had never happened. But the fact of the matter is that God permitted it. Phil being a Christian meant that it was for his good. I often see on television and, of course, in families, in the congregations, where as some children get older, they become a nun. A nun. Well, N-O-N-E-S. Somebody who's not interested in religion anymore. And you think, wow, if that person had died before he lost his faith, he'd be going to heaven, but what about now? I mean, there's all kinds of ways that human beings can look and wish that things had happened differently. When God says that things are going to work to your good, he's only talking to Christians, believers. Well, how could Joseph be a Christian? Jesus wasn't even around. Oh, no. You got to remember, he believed the promise of Abraham. He was a son of Abraham, according to Romans 9, by believing that through Isaac would come the Messiah. There's no indication at all that Joseph did not understand the promises of the gospel. And that's what saves. That's what gives you promises from God that are not available to unbelievers. Because believers are children of God. So it's not that God is always working things out for bad to unbelievers. We just had a tremendous hurricane that occurred in Florida. And according to the weather forecast, there was going to be 10 feet of water coming in, which didn't happen. And some people remained there. And I was listening to some of them being questioned by reporters. Are you glad you stayed? Yes, it wasn't as bad as they said it was going to be. And nobody indicated, well, that means you must be a Christian. No, they, they could be an atheist. And the weather would not have been as bad for atheists as it wasn't as bad for Christians. So, so we need to remember that, uh, for example, during a drought, farmers may be praying for rain. When the rain comes, it just doesn't fall on the fields of Christians. It also falls on the fields of unbelievers. Because God has a purpose. 
The crops grown by unbelievers are used by God to help feed the hungry and so forth, just as much as the crops grown by believers. So when we're talking about promises that God has specifically for believers, where we're talking about certain promises that he provides us, and and one of them is that all things are going to work together for good. So somebody may mean evil against you, but guess what? God works it out for good. Sometimes you are unable to figure out what the good is. For, for example, you may end up losing your house through foreclosure. You first lost your job. You're unable to pay for the house. It goes into foreclosure. Oh, boy, now you have a problem. Where are you going to live? You might have to downsize. You might have to live with relatives. You might have to move to another place to get a job. And you're looking at all this and saying, what good has come out of this for me? Uh, See, did you hear that? You're looking for the good for you. No, it could be good for the entire family. I'll guarantee you, if a person, a parent, loses the job, there's going to be praying in that family going on more than normal. And prayer is always something good as we look to God and Him alone for help in times of need. In fact, that's how pastors comfort those who are grieved. We don't comfort them by maybe saying things that we don't know. But we comfort them by saying promises of which we are aware of. And therefore, what gives us comfort is not looking at our experience. That's the theologian of self-glory. He looks at his experience to figure out God. I, I mentioned this before. When that terrible storm hit Texas, there was a professor in Florida, who said, well, the reason that's happening is because Texas voted for Trump. And then guess what? A worse storm hits Florida. Now, what are you going to say? God did that just against that professor. By the way, the professor was fired from his job for being so ridiculous. The fact of the matter is, we don't know why God permitted storms to hit Texas, Louisiana, Florida, and other parts of the nation right now. But for the Christian, it will be working out for good. It's kind of hard when the governor or the mayor says you must desert your home because all your things are there and you can hardly carry anything with you. And then the roads are all packed as people are heading north out of Florida. But God still has a purpose there. We may not know the purpose this side of heaven. That's why we live by faith. Because the purpose may be ignorant to us. I I can't imagine Joseph, when he was accused wrongly of fooling around with, what was it, Potiphar's wife? 
She accused him and he was thrown into prison. Well, I'm sure he wasn't sitting in prison saying, thank you, God, for the good that is happening to me. No, God had a purpose. Being in prison, he was able to interpret dreams of a, I believe it was a butler and a baker. Uh, Later on, when the one who continued to live was in Pharaoh's household and Pharaoh had the dream, he said, you know, there's this guy in prison that was able to interpret our dreams. So Joseph was brought forward, and guess what? He interpreted the dream in such a way that thousands and thousands of people were kept from being starved because there was no grain during the time of the drought during the time when the green wasn't growing after seven years of wonderful growth. So God had a purpose. You may be going through a tough time right now. You don't have to worry about it because God is on your side. It may not end up whatever's going to happen to you according to what you want, but it doesn't really matter. Why? Because the promise is still true that this is for good. Even the apostles, as we have it from tradition, only John on the island of Patmos was spared from being martyred. Now, how is that good? Well, in that martyring, they were able to give a witness of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Remember, one of them even said, okay, if you're going to crucify me, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. Time and time again, they use the opportunities to witness, witness about their faith. You you can't get a, a better event than Joseph being put into prison because of what the brothers did to him. And yet, when the brothers came to him and they fell before him saying, Behold, we are your servants, it says Joseph wept. And he wept because of the love he had for them. Now, where did that love come from? Joseph knew that he had been a sinner when he was younger, bragging about those dreams, you know, where everybody was going to bow down before him. That didn't go well with the brothers. And then getting that coat of multicolors from his father, uh, Jacob, that didn't go well with his brothers. So he knew that as a sinner... He shouldn't have been blessed the way he finally was as assistant to Pharaoh with so much power, so much authority. He understood God in a way that the brothers did not. And so therefore, what was the motivation behind Joseph's forgiving of his brothers? It was 
because he realized how much God had forgiven him. There are commands in the Bible, you know, forgive one another. We're not going to get into that too much right now. But there's no doubt that that commandment is important, that the forgiveness ought not be done on the basis, well, I'm obeying the law. It ought to be done on the basis of, look how much God has done for me. And therefore, I'm able to do it for others. I kind of like verse 21 of chapter 50. Joseph says to his brothers, So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Has that ever happened to you? You do something wrong against someone and you're kind of nervous about seeing them next time. But instead, they hardly bring up what you had done and they speak kindly to you. That takes a, a lot of courage. That takes a lot of self-awareness. Because a, a lot of times when somebody does something wrong to us, we want to get even. In fact, that's why Jesus was uh, crucified. The, the Pharisees said, no, 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 Jesus, you got to get even with these tax collectors. You got to get even with these prostitutes. Well, what are you letting them into your kingdom for? Obviously, you can't be the Messiah. You're way too kindly to them. You see, that's the world talking. The, the world wants to look What's in my self-interest? And it's not in my self-interest to be friends with tax collectors who were hired by Romans to take taxes from Jews. And in fact, the tax collector was to be Jewish. Romans were really wise when they conquered the land. They, they put people in charge uh, from that land to control the people, to collect the taxes, and so forth. Very wise, the Romans were. And yet it was a wisdom that Pontius Pilate couldn't stand. It was out of his self-interest that he ended up crucifying Jesus. And the disciples, remember, they all ran from him, from the Garden of Gethsemane. Only John was at the crucifixion. Uh, the women were, some of them. Why did they run? Out of self-interest. In fact, it even says they were hiding in the upper room for fear of the Jews. And here they're not talking about just Jews, all people, but the religious leaders of the pews, Jews, that, boy, oh boy, they want to come and kill me too like they did our master. So they hid out of self-interest. They had run from Jesus. What happened that night? Jesus appeared to them, even though walls were up, the doors were locked. What were the first words Jesus said to them? Thanks a lot, guys. Did all this for you for three years? Just asked you to be with me during my time of suffering and you all fled? No. Peace be with you. 
See, that's the supreme example that helps, helps us understand how God thinks. He, he doesn't want to bring condemnation upon us. In fact, Jesus says, I wasn't brought into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And when he says to the disciples, peace be with you, he then does something else. He rehires them. Now, who would rehire employees that didn't do their work, didn't show up for work? How did he rehire them? Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, the disciples had no power to forgive sins. But in that statement, they were given the authority to forgive sins in place of God. In fact, we even say that each Sunday, a lot of times when we do the confession. The congregation confesses their sin. The pastor says upon this, your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead, that means in the place of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. This happens all over the place. The President of the United States may decide to give money to a country that are in need. Maybe they had an earthquake or something. And he sends the word to his ambassador in that particular country. And the ambassador goes to the ruling authorities and he says, I have for you $5 million to help with the earthquake damage. Well, they don't thank the ambassador as much as they thank the president of the United States because the ambassador is only speaking on behalf of the president. No, no ambassador would be able to go up uh, to the authorities and tell them, here's money for you, when he hasn't been authorized to give that money. So also, we forgive on the basis of whether a person has repentance or not, and we do so in such a way that we make it very clear, this is not me talking, this is Jesus Christ talking. I'm speaking in his stead, in his command. Now, e even when you say that to people, they may appreciate it for a moment, but they can come back and go against you, speak evil of you. That just is something you need to get used to because as Christians, that's what happens, even in the church. And many a pastor can witness to that. But the pastor's job is to correct the congregation or the people doing that, and then after that, to pray for them. Because the evil they did against, God meant it for good. We may not understand what that good is, but what is good about your children disobeying you? What's a good thing that comes from that? A proper parent will instruct the child not to do that. And therefore, that's good because it can protect the child in the future. 
whether the child stole something, and so the command is, you ought not steal. That could stop him from being arrested by the police in the future. I have to say, my wife and I had wonderful parents. They brought us up appropriately with the commands of God, and yet with a love that, in my case, and I'm sure true about my wife, can't remember a time where my parents ever really argued with each other over anything of substance. This is what happens in the Christian family. This is what should happen in the Christian church. And it could be part of the reason why nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are leaving the church a lot. In fact, we're going to go into great detail about that on this coming Thursday. I, I think you're going to be really educated as to why young people are leaving the church and what can we do to stop the exodus. That'll be on Thursdays, Law and Gospel, Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be taking a look at a hymn with Mark Smith. And the hymn talks about let God's love come down. Well, my question is, come down from where? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. In the meantime, you got any questions for Open Mic Friday, you can email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. I'm Tom Baker. Hopefully you'll be listening tomorrow to Rumination Tuesday. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday at this time on Worldwide KFUO. For a contribution to the program, make your check payable to Law and Gospel and mail it to Pastor Tom Baker, Post Office Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. You can call toll-free at 1-877-267-1962 or email lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.